Hey everyone, welcome to Reality TV Rehap Ups for Episode 7 of Season 7 of The Amazing Race Canada. We're all coming up lucky sevens here. My name is Jessica Lease. With me as always is Dan Heaton. And we are the two people who will always reach right into the pit of balls and pull out a red one. Hi. Yes, we will. And some people, like Sam for instance, maybe not so good at that. Maybe maybe need to sit that one out. I don't know. Hey, you know, some people can handle their balls and some people can't. That's what Jeff Probst always says. Yes. And, you know, we even had a Probst-like moment where the two of them just said balls over and over. So that that was fun. And we're off to a rolling start here, too, on this this fun podcast. So hello, Jess. Welcome. I hope I hope neither one of us drops the ball. Oh, and another reference to a task. Oh, so fun episode leg seven you know we're kind of in that zone i thought this might you know like when we get down to this point i think okay you get down to the final six this is when they really test the teams they really put them through the ringer maybe next week i don't know this really feels to me like they called up the chamber of commerce over in the k-dub and they said hey we need to come to your city Do you have a plan from the last time you guys did a homegrown charity amazing race with local people? And they were like, sure, here are some of the tasks we did. And they just lifted it right from that because all this was missing was a rotary park. It was so hyper local. You know, it's funny. You made that you made a similar reference last week. So I think I think we might be able we're getting to the point where I don't want to be too down the season, but we may be able to expand that to the season, because here's the thing. I like a lot of these teams. I think a lot of them are good, you know, good racers, fun people, have interesting stories. So I don't blame them. And I'm not saying the season is a dud. No, it's done. We've still got, what, like four or five legs left. I think I think we have four legs left. So there's a lot more to happen. But there's something. There's something that we're, we're striving for here. I don't know. I don't. Is, am I missing something here? Is it just there's something a little off? I don't know. And I'm not talking drama or anything. There wasn't a lot of that. Just the legs feel a little. Is this just what happens when you get to your seventh season of a show at this point? I don't think so, Dan, because we watched Amazing Race US through season seven and it was still pretty great. But it's interesting to me because you have said multiple times on this very podcast that your favorite part of any given Amazing Race is that part in the middle where there's still a good number of teams, you're at about the halfway point, and then things start to get stressful and the teams start to drop and you're kind of in the home stretch. And we're at this part and this season just really isn't bringing it, is it? Yeah, it's interesting because I watched the episode twice. And the first time I watched it, it was pretty late at night and I was kind of like, oh, this episode. And then I watched the second time and I enjoyed it more because there were a lot of fun moments. But I also think when you watch an episode a second time, you kind of zone in more on just kind of some of the goofy stuff and people dancing and doing making weird facial expressions. But that doesn't mean that it's a great episode if I'm doing that. And I think like on the on paper. I like robots. I like math tasks. I and the food thing sounded kind of cool. I can't defend the ball pit. There's nothing there. But I like self-driving cars. I want my daughters not to have to drive. This is all great. But adding it all together, it's like maybe we just needed like all this and a really hard roadblock. Like maybe we needed I mean we had multiple tasks, but maybe we just needed all this add one roadblock either in the middle or at the end or wherever. And then this leg was great. I just feel like it's missing something. And maybe that is it. Maybe it's just like, you know, having a jump in a ball pit 
it's kind of funny, but when you only have so many tasks, and I know there was a face-off, but even that, we can get to that, but I feel like maybe there's just a little bit more we needed, and that's been the case a few times this season. So, ball pit or trampoline park, Dan? You know... The one saving grace <laughs> of the ball pit is that they went to the museum, which is a really cool place. And, you know, they got they, the shots of the of the art installation there seemed pretty cool. But once again, I ran into this, you know, I said this with the mine last week and I was probably being a little too harsh, but that's what they decided to have do. I know there's a lot of balls, but really, it's not the place. The place was cool. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But I don't, I don't, I know I'm starting kind of, you know, I did, I just watched the episode recently tonight and was really enjoying it. So I don't know, but it's more like one of those things where I can enjoy everything on the surface level. When we start to dig in on a podcast, I start to go, well, let me dig a little further. And you start to, the cracks start to show, but I know I'm kind of, kind of dominating this. So what did you think of this episode? Well, Dan, I think this just highlights why they're closing the Interventions Pavilion at Epcot. Ah, there was a lot of, (laughs) again, I was thinking about this, like, you know, everything we saw and they go to the the physics thing and that even the food, the the food thing. And I'm like, yeah, then the robots like this again kind of feels like Future World. It's like like Future World from 20 years ago. It's like, and I mean, for me, that's the thing I'm watching it. And there is one part of me that's like, this is all fascinating. This is great. But the competition side of it is not as much also because you I kind of got the gist of where it was going. I know we had the face off, but you kind of, again, I think part of the issue, I think most of the legs that have seemed a little, okay, I feel like it's just had the, the tell, there's been a bit of a telegraphing and I don't know if it's the editing or just something that I feel like I know who's getting eliminated really early on. And that could just be me being down on team Dan or what, but, um, I could kind of sense it, and you don't like that in an amazing race. No, you definitely don't want to know. You want to be surprised, and this really did not feel like there were any surprises in this leg whatsoever, including at the top of the leg when they basically did the equivalent of blindfolding everyone and sticking them on a bus and saying, hey, we're going someplace, and you have to guess where you are when you get off, and they get off. They're like, oh, I guess we're in Waterloo, because that's what it says on the side of the bus. (laughs) It was like, it reminds me now that I think of it in my eighth grade, we did like a mystery trip um, and we had no idea where you were going and we didn't even know which day it was. Like they picked you up and brought your clothes to school and we're like, oh my gosh, of course we went like go-karting into the baseball game and whatnot, but it was like, we didn't know where we were going. It was pretty much on that level with the exception of the fun um, photo finish run for the pen. But even so, what do you think about the way they set that up? Because really they're all on the same flight. So basically, whoever got on the first or second bus was determined by their cab and running. Was that enough to split the teams again? You know, I don't love these splitting the teams things, especially the kind of artificial thing. If they'd had a task at the beginning, like if you had to solve some kind of puzzle or if you had to eat 10 cliff bars before you signed up, I could have gotten (laughs) behind that. It just felt like. To your point, if all you're doing is getting in a cab and then going for a run, it's not enough to incentivize people. I think there really needs to be some kind of task component before these kinds of sign-up sheets. I, I don't love rewarding people for having a fast cab or fast feet. And, you know, I know that's weird to say in a race, but we... People are so down all the time on cabs and it's kind of sucks that there's a component of it that's just really out of people's hands. 
But if it is going to bring us moments like this slow motion replay with the photo finish on it, this is unprecedented. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this on any edition of Amazing Race. And they took this little moment of people like fighting over a Sharpie and they amped up the drama so much that I was really on the edge of my seat. I didn't know who was going to get on that first bus. Yeah. And I do think that is one thing I really enjoy with this leg is all the like weird moments where teams were like rushing in at the same time and having to do things. We'll talk about the other one later, which I really enjoyed. But this one, yeah, because normally what they'll often do is have like six numbers. So teams are running up. You've seen teams run up and have to grab number one or two or three. But it seemed like here... And I wonder if they had to do some consulting among the producers to figure out the exact rules. But it it came down to who touched the pen first. Because as you saw, we had, um, I think it was Trish, who had pen marker all over her hand afterwards, or Trish or Amy. And they grabbed the pen first, but then you had like three different teams. And Sarah and Sam were just not happy. They were just, they just had no luck with these types of things. But I don't know. I kind of liked it, though. Um, it also had the potential. It didn't do it. But um, there was a small part of me that was kind of relieved that this did not involve Dave, at least, because that could have got very interesting. If if I'm going for a Sharpie and Dave's going for a Sharpie, I mean, that guy doesn't even wrap up his hands when he beats people up. I'm giving him the Sharpie and I'm backing right off. Plus tonight, he was like kicking walls. And I was just like, wow, he's just drop kicking walls. He'll do anything. But yeah, because you saw... I mean, it's interesting, too, to think about the sign-up board. Dave and Arena, Anthony and James, they get on the first bus. And hey, those are the two teams competing for the face-off later. But um, Trish and Amy really got held. They they were the ones who won the, the scrum. And I thought, great, because I knew they had a speed bump. So my thought was, this is the best result. Because then this is going to lead, you know, teams are going to be bunched together. Because if they were on the second bus with the speed bump, their odds would be very low. So we kind of benefited, but it didn't really matter. But really, what about this covering up of the windows? Um, because we got a qu- I got a question about this from one of our listeners, Jeffrey. And in theory, I think, wow, that's kind of cool. There's a mystery or something. But what do you have to do with that to actually make it pay off at the end? Because like you described, Trish and Amy come out like, oh, there's a bus. There had to be something else to this rather than just, hey, you're going to a town and we'll make some funny little TV moment. Well, I have a couple of thoughts on this. Uh, My first thought is I want to take you all the way back to the early 2000s. And I want to talk about a show called Lost. That is not the show called Lost that you are thinking of, Dan. There was a reality show called Lost back in the day when everything was a reality show. This was a game show that was produced by a production company owned by Conan O'Brien. And the idea of it was they were going to take these teams of people, kind of similar to Amazing Race, but not really. And they were just going to dump them in the middle of nowhere. And they have to find their way back to the United States. And they don't tell them where they are. They're just like, okay, good luck. And they have to complete some challenges to get their passports back and then they have to like negotiate their way onto boats and i think the first set of episodes dropped them off in mongolia and i think i'm not advocating for dropping everybody off in mongolia like blindfolding them on a flight or anything like that but i do think part of the letdown of this was stepping off of the bus and being like oh okay we're in Kishner Waterloo. Great. I think they needed to drop them like off of the side of the road somewhere out of town and make them figure out how to get where they're going. I 
think there was a little element of mystery that was missing from this. And the covered up bus really had absolutely no bearing on anything else that happened in the leg. So unless they're prepared to drop them off someplace where they're going to be really disoriented or unless they're prepared to make them figure out where they're going before they get there, there's really no point to covering up the windows of the bus. Yeah, because they dropped them. It looked like at a bus station. It's like... (laughs) Come on, you know, even if even if like, you know, we've seen some where they, they're in a town or they're in some historic area of our town or whatever. Put them somewhere in the city that's like even put them inside somewhere, like put them in a building and then they come out and maybe all the buildings are kind of nondescript, like like put them in an industrial park or heck, put them in a mall or something. But I don't know. Just do something weird. Something that seems generic, and then you can't immediately know where you are. There's a lot of good options here. I actually kind of like the idea of doing it if it's not like this. It seems like they didn't stick the landing here. It was a good idea that I think somebody brought up and then... Whoever took it like in the ops operations group or, you know, like passed it along from brainstorming onto this, they just didn't totally get the gist. There was something missing there. Well, here is the thing that I have been hearing on the Internet um, and take this with a grain of salt because I don't have any official backing up of this from anybody involved with production at all. And it could just be some dork on Reddit making this up. But my understanding is that this was not originally intended to be an all Canada season of Amazing Race. They were going to go abroad once or twice throughout the season like they usually do. And for a variety of reasons, they weren't able to get out of the country for this season. And so two of the legs were dropped in kind of last minute. And the two legs that are rumored to be dropped in are Revelstoke and this one. And that makes a lot of sense when you consider like where they're placed and where typically you would go abroad on Amazing Race Canada. And so when if you think about this being a leg that they didn't intend to have and they kind of shoehorned it in, suddenly a lot of the things that happened this leg become a little more understandable, if not forgivable. Yeah, and that's the thing, because you look at this and it may have been a case where they had so little time that they were like high five and like, wow, we really put this leg together in 10 days or whatever, you know, something small. And so in a sense, they had to do a ton of things and they're like, OK, which sponsors can we call? OK, we got something to do with Chevy there. We got something with Dempsters, you know, whatever. And they kind of cobbled it together. That would make a lot more sense to me than. And then they said, well, this leg's really thin. We got to do something. How about we block out the bus? Maybe that'll be fun. Maybe teams will be confused. That actually, that seems more likely something that had to get added because they knew the leg was thin. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. not, not this was their grand idea to be the craziest thing ever. It was more the last thing because they realized we could be in trouble here. Maybe this will lead to good drama. And then when Trish saw the bus right away, they went, oh, (laughs) like, great. But, you know, but they did show it. They didn't have to show that. But I guess it did have to give a payoff in some way to the mystery. And maybe that was all the payoff they ever got. Here's another idea. So they're blacking out the bus so they can't see where they're going. Like they are hostages and you hear them talking, well, we're going west and it's been about this long. We left from Toronto. What if they're not allowed off the bus until they figure out where they are and like submit a guess? That's interesting, too. Yeah. Or or even maybe uh, they can't get off the bus or like I said, they take them to a very specific area 
that isn't really clear what it is. And they say, here's this cordoned off little zone. They give them clues, but they're really hard or something, or they have to do something really complicated to get a clue, mm-hmm. like finish a hard task or whatever. So then it becomes you you get there, you have to do something. I mean, what I'm saying kind of sounds like a corporate amazing race. Town <laughs> it thing, really but, does. You know, like the way I'm <laughs> describing it, like you're lost. In order to do it, you have to answer trivia about about your company or whatever, but um, or about the town. Oh, man, that would totally happen here in St. Louis. I'm planning exactly this thing for the next time we have a big RHAP patron event. We're having one of these in New York. And if Amazing Race Canada ever goes to New York and they pick up all of the things that I plan for this, then we'll know exactly how they put together their legs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they'll be like. Who was the mole that was at that event that you did for RHAP? Oh, so much to happen to that. Okay, so I think we can move on now that they have they've arrived on the buses. They're going to the museum. Oh, can we talk about the fact that their museum is called the museum? One word too. One word. That's pretty cool, huh? They don't have a donor. They can't even afford a space. <laughs> well, you know, it's just it's just it's unique. You know, um, the museum. It actually was formerly called the Waterloo Regional Children's Museum. So at some point it changed. Hmm. It is one of those things like I know, Dan, in your home city of St. Louis, they have a museum called the City Museum that is a big children's museum. And they want to encourage any adult visitors to come and like play on the stuff, too. So maybe it's like one of those things where they want to rebrand it so that people don't feel like it's going to be tiny and lame and just for kids. That is good. Well, the city museum has a big bar inside. So right there, that is a way to get adults to be there. But you're right, because it does have more of a cooler cachet than if it was called St. Louis Children's Museum, which is kind of a lame name, lame name. But you get the idea, which is very similar to this, because it looks like it said this opened in. I, I hate to just be great. Podcasting is when people read Wikipedia pages. <laughs> to you. It's just fascinating. But it opened in 2003. And then in 2010, it was renamed the museum. So maybe it was a case where either they added new exhibits that were not so kid friendly, like kid friendly is not the best word. That- what kind of museum is this, Dan? <laughs> like a ball pit. You know, they added that ball pit. And I know that's part of a special exhibition, but I couldn't help it. Or they, like you said, they're just trying to expand it. But regardless, they went here. They had to find a red or yellow ball. And really, all that we can say about this is Sam had to sub out because he was getting too tired. The Olympian, Sam, had to sub out of the ball pit. Wow. I, an Olympic athlete fell by balls. <laughs> yeah. So that was about it. There was a few. I mean, we had a few fun moments where teams just like face diving into the ball pit. But really, this is one where I still find it almost hard to believe that we actually watched this happen. This was a thing that really happened. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. No one took a penalty, though. It was a needle in a haystack task, but they all got through it. (laughs) Yeah. It was a very dumbed down needle in a haystack task. I think maybe they looked at some of these things. They're like, well, these people can't even dig for clams. Maybe we better just give them a ball pit. (laughs) They had something really complicated. Like, uh, what else we got? Okay, a ball pit. That's what we'll do. <laughs> All right. So I think we're done with the ball pit, right? <laughs> I, I, I never I never like to be done with balls, but spoiler, we're not done with balls. We'll get to it later. <laughs> oh, I have to mention one thing that my daughter, who's six, told me that she would do really well on this because she really likes ball pits. So again, I normally wouldn't bring that up, but that kind of fits with this task, I think. 
I mean, that was my first thought when I saw that thing too. I'm like, drop my son in there and he'd be done in like three minutes. <laughs> yeah. So we needed the, the people that did best on this are apparently more in touch with their inner child. I'm not sure. hey, when was the last time you were at a ball pit? For me, it was two weeks ago. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, you do well here. This is one I could say I would not stink at. It's rare. <laughs> Good. We, we got this one covered. <laughs> Okay, so so next after this, they move on to the detour. And oh, Jess, those sad, sad dancers and beer drinkers at Beer Fest. And John, who was so happy to be there with his beer, shut out. Nothing. When does that happen where there hasn't? Have we had a situation where a detour, usually one team always goes? Nothing. Zero. Yeah, well, I have a theory on why this was. And we got a lot of questions about this, but I think that this location, without checking Google Maps, uh, I think this location was further away and maybe not as easy to find. And I think let's even talk about the fact that the speed bump deposited Trish and Amy basically right on top of one of the detour options. They don't have a choice. They're pretty much stuck doing that one. And everybody else was like, well, we know where the university is. We can just go there as opposed to this random unknown quantity somewhere else in the city further away. And it does sound like a hard task. Like Honestly, if you even just look at the two tasks in a vacuum, it seems like the robot one would be a little easier to do. Those memory tasks can get kind of crazy. Yeah. I looked at that other one. and I didn't think this was so unbalanced where like people would have just fallen apart. But it did seem like the robot task, which robot quest task at Waterloo, was one that was kind of cool to look at. And yes, there was communication, but there was no no switching of places of any of the teams from what I could tell. I think they basically almost, either were all the same or, you know, got, I think that we had a case where I think Lauren and Joanne may have gained a bit because the other, the other people's robots kept falling. And at one point where Lauren was stuck behind them. But in general... There didn't seem to be the team that was in first stayed in first, the team that was in last stayed in last. So it was more of a, this will take this long unless you are really, really terrible at it. Where I could see a case with the beers where because you had to, one, memorize the order, and two, they sat in different chairs and there's music and dancing, that has a good chance to be confusing. But it is kind of sad. I feel bad for all of these extras they had to get to show up and like hang out all day in the hope that somebody might come by all this beer that's going to waste. Well, it's probably not going to waste. Can you imagine somebody switching tasks like near the end of the robot thing and getting to the Oktoberfest and everybody's half in the bag? <laughs> Seeing that clip, they all look like they were getting there already. Um, you know, this is interesting because to me, Ruloville asked this question, but this seems like a totally set up either will I one for a U-turn or a double one way or two for limited stations, which we haven't seen much lately. And I have mixed feelings about the limited stations because I do think it would be a real disadvantage and it might've even been better for teams to wait, but you could have said, Oh, only two robots can be in at once or whatever. And that would have forced probably teams would have left. And I think the show, if they wanted to not waste all those extras and such, and probably would have had to have done that to make people do it. Yeah, that was my thought. I It seems like this is a really ripe area to limit tasks. And I don't love that either. I don't love the limited stations thing because it kind of 
points a finger at this one's better. So get to this one first because it's way better than this other one. You don't want to be stuck doing the bad one. And I don't really love that. I think people need to figure out for themselves whether a task is bad. And I don't think the beer necessarily would have been bad. I think it would have been great television. But I wish that they'd kind of nudged some people toward it one way or the other. Yeah, and that's another thing with this leg, too. I think because there weren't two teams doing deep boat detours and there's a lot of excitement to the cross cutting of like, oh, the team's really close here. Oh, they're far away here. We didn't really have it last week because we only had one team doing the calling with the square dancing. But that's where when you have detours that are team about even, whether it's once closer and harder and once further away. Here you had a case where one was closer from what we could tell and easier and seemed sounded easier. And you have all those things that it's like it was just off. But if they could have found a way, I think this is an example where the limited stations would have benefited the episode from an entertainment perspective. Like you said, it would have if you could even get two teams there and you've got like two and three or two and four. One, it also would likely lead to more shifting around of places, especially going into the face off. It would have been kind of interesting. And that's also a nice thing, too. Because even if the beers are super hard, you do have the face off there. So nobody's going to completely get left in the dust early in the leg. They'll have a chance. Yeah, I, I'm definitely with you on that one, Dan. I really felt like there was not very much order switching. I mean, thank goodness we had Arthi to be really bad at this task or there would have been no suspense in it whatsoever. Yeah, and they even used that in the in last week in the next dawn to make it seem that made the robot task seem really hard. Because everything they showed was that like 10 minutes where Arthi was just saying like, turn around. He's like, which way? Left or right? Left or right? And then when she was ready to switch. He's like, we can't. I wonder if their walkie talkies didn't work very well or something because he seemed very confused too. But yeah, that was a case where I don't think that slowed them down too much. I mean, it was more, I think it seemed worse on TV than it likely was. But the show also, this whole episode, they really kind of focused i mean they had several moments where he said something a little groan inducing not not like terrible or anything but just something that was like yeah she this or yeah she does this and the show was really zoning in on them and their relationship and all of that possibly to set up that moment but i also think they were trying to mine any drama they could from a leg with very little drama yeah that's that's true that could be one of those things like we found out about last week's maze task um, we heard from a couple of the racers and actually heard that nobody was in that thing for more than 15 minutes. And it just became like kind of a crucible while you were in it. And this could have been a very similar situation. Yeah, I think so. Because if that had been a huge issue, you would have thought, I mean, like I said, I think some of the teams got a bit closer to them, like like Lauren and Joanne, even maybe Trish and Amy. But if there was a an issue, it was likely it was when everything started. I'm assuming once they got moving, once they actually got the robot turned around, which took a while, it was fine. I mean, we did some fun. It was I was worried at first when the robot fell over and then not realizing they could make it stand back up. Like I thought maybe they'd have to start over or something. That was with Anthony and James, who, of course, rock this like they seem to do with almost everything right now. <laughs> but um, and seem to have like some background that they. Anything that revolves a bit of smarts, they just, you know, seem good at. But also, Arena, very good at this and very good at everything this week. But um, so it did allow some racers to show that they were good at things. And the top teams seemed to gain even more ground. 
But really, it was pretty straightforward beyond our, our buddy Callisto. And I mean, Callisto's great, but what are the all-time great task judges, if you ask me? Yes. <laughs> the, the, Callisto did not say, your robot is not acceptable or something. <laughs> yeah, it was, all, it was all, all safe. The robots complained a lot, too. My battery will need charging soon. <laughs> Which I enjoyed that too. So, yeah, I mean, it was a fun task. Um, And it took me a while to realize how little the robots were. Like at first I thought they were like big and then they showed people kind of hovering over the maze like, oh, no, Callisto was big. These were just very small robots. But, um, you know, that's exciting, I guess, is, you know, John had fun, you know, with uh, Callisto. He's called called a brother, you know, so um, that's always a, a big win for Callisto. Yeah. I mean, anytime, anytime John Montgomery calls you brother, like that's, you got to earn that. But yeah, I mean, Anthony and James seem to have a lot of fun with it. They, they both communicate so well. I should also mention this was their anniversary. So they had the Tux t-shirts on, which I always enjoy. And, um, and at the end, Anthony did give James a, uh, like basically a bracelet, which, you know, those two have a very good relationship and that is helping them on the race right now. They're really not making any mistakes at all. And sometimes it's fun to watch teams make mistakes. And I love having that team that's always like just a little bit bad at something. And that brings some kind of drama. They have to react to the mistakes they're making. But James and Anthony are the rare team that managed to not only be good at everything, but they're also really entertaining. I think they're really funny. They're having, they have a great attitude about everything. They're cracking jokes. They're having a good time. I also want to call attention to Sam and Sarah, this leg, who I thought were funny all of a sudden in a way that we haven't really seen from them up until this point. Yeah, they were. And, you know, they, they have their thing where they're saying, this is our word of the leg and, you know, and all that. But they both look so exasperated, like, you know, whole leg, like the pen thing. And Sam especially just looked like he hadn't slept for a few days all of a sudden. I don't really know what happened there because they seem so composed. And then, you know, when they had to race for the um, when they had the competition to see you could put their clothes on faster, which I thought was very entertaining, <laughs> which happened multiple times. That was actually the second one. And they look so distraught by the end of that. So they were very funny. And I think maybe they're just getting more comfortable. Um, I don't know on the show on camera. Cause I know they've been on camera with things. I mean, they both are involved in a lot of different activities and such, but they both seem to be getting a little more chill and just seem to be having more fun on the show. And part of it is when they don't do as well too. I find they're sometimes when they struggle, like with the math later on, to be kind of entertaining and not entertaining in a I want them to do badly thing more in a just like when the, we saw it way back when they had to go to the Aurora Geosciences when they seem to mess up they always do so in a very comical way and again like a team that makes mistakes is way more interesting to watch than a team that doesn't make mistakes yeah so are we ready to go on to the culinary competition that reminded me a lot of like Chopped or Sugar Rush or looked a little bit like Nailed It. I don't know. There was a lot of a lot of things going on there. But um, so we had a food face off. This was weird. This was weird and wrong. And I don't think I enjoyed it very much in on many levels. Well, this matched up with the Amazing Race US last season where they had the puzzle task where the team that finish second always won the next mm -hmm. time and it happened every time which is weird because they were making different dishes sometimes teams even chose a different dish but really the only match that you could say was on a level playing field was the first one 
And in that case, Dave and Arena, I mean, mainly Arena, just destroyed it. And then after that, it, there, I don't think there were any that even really had any. I mean, it was pretty obvious just looking at the dishes every time who was better. Yeah, this was very strange to me. Maybe it was more that you knew what they were looking for after the first round. And so it didn't really matter which dish you chose because you knew you had to arrange things a certain way and you knew approximately how much you could get away with as far as screwing it up. It's the it's really the only thing I can think of as far as why you would ever choose a different dish. Like, why not choose the one you've already spent some time looking at? This seems like a no brainer to me. Yeah. And most of them did. I think the one exception, I know Lauren and Joanne chose the pizza in the last one after they had done the fruit rolling one, which looked really hard. That did not seem to be the one I would want. I would choose pizza to me. You kind of eliminate the presentation part mostly. I mean, there's a few bits to it. But that one seemed to have more elements to the presentation. But in general, I think Anthony and James did pick the same one. And I can't remember if Arthur and Thinesh did. But so there was some of the repetition. But I just think it was a case where Lauren and Joanne were like, we didn't really like doing that one. So we're going to pick something else. And they apparently make a lot of pizza. So, so it worked out great. Which brings me to our weekly installment of Weird or Canadian. And thanks again to John John for that wonderful audio drop, which we very much enjoy. So, Dan, the question of the week, making pizza on a tortilla, weird or Canadian? I'm going to say, well, I don't really know. I was going to say weird because I do feel like that is something that would be like they would do this. There's got to be somewhere in this city in St. Louis where somebody's putting pizza on a tortilla. I went to a barbecue place recently and they had an option of buns or tortillas. And I was like, what? It was like, it was like brisket or something. So if they're doing that, somebody's probably making pizza on a tortilla. So I'm going to go with weird rather than Canadian. Or there's option C, which is Dempster's. Basically, weird Canadian or just Dempsters? <laughs> it might just be Dempsters, but I know somebody is going to slide into our ads telling us that, uh, telling us about Taco Bell Mexican pizza, which is basically a bunch of taco toppings on two tortillas stuck together. And that's not the same thing. That's not really what we're talking about here either. But I did kind of float it out to Twitter that we were probably going to talk about this for Weirder Canadian. And all the Canadians were like, oh, no, that is weird. So maybe there's <laughs> yes. like a whole new stratosphere of weird that's just like Dempster's specific weird, because I don't even think the weird people I know would make pizza on a tortilla. Maybe we should ask Martina about this and say, in all of your, in all of your Dempster's taste of the race, and I actually didn't check this week, so I don't know <laughs> if they did this. Did you come across anything this weird? Well, here's the thing. All three of the dishes were using Dempster's tortillas. So I think they got to the point. They're like, okay, what can we do with tortillas? Wraps, good. Rolls. Um, somebody raised their hand. They're like, uh, pizza? And they're like, okay, good. So maybe it's just that. I think it's also worth noting that I don't know anybody who's ever put a bunch of fruit in a tortilla and made little <laughs> pinwheel roll-up things. Except for, of course, I believe this was the Taste of the Race recipe last week. So I think it, that's also a Dempster's thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is another thing where I also saw that and went, huh. <laughs> so maybe maybe that's it. It's 
when we need a new drop. Of course, I don't know when that drop would ever work again. I'm going to assume we're not going to have another task that involves Dempsters where something weird or Canadian happens. But, you know, I guess we're going to have to get that drop for next season when Dempsters has some sort of new task. And speaking of that, this was a, well, I'm kind of repeating myself like usual. A lot of product placement this week. Again, you know, this, it's, it's just been a lot. Does this even seem more than normal? This, this leg didn't feel quite as obtrusive as some of the other legs, uh, except for the bright red Dempster's room with Dempster's hats and Dempster's aprons using Dempster's products. That was glaring. The rest of it, I think, was, it felt fairly seamless to me. And I like, I like the new thing where we're having, they should just call it the official Cliff Bar sign up board because I love the combination of get a Cliff Bar and sign up. And it just fits so neatly underneath the sign up board that I don't know why Cliff Bar isn't sponsoring this in every country that they have Cliff Bars. The big question is how many Cliff Bars did they eat during that bus ride? You know, I would have eaten a lot. I don't know how long the leg is. We got to we got to get ready. We have to fuel up. They should have be the Cliff Bar bus. They should have like, wrapped it with a Cliff Bar ad. Yes. You know, I feel I feel like this leg doesn't have that much. So we're doing a lot of brainstorming and workshopping here because there's just not that much. here. You know, we totally just went right by the speed bump while we were talking about this, which happened before the face off. Well, I assumed we would probably talk about that during the questions because <laughs> every question we got this week was, is it just me or was this the dumbest speed bump ever, which P.S. not a question, but yeah, most people were not high on the speed bump. Okay, we'll hold that then, because I do think that's worth its own segment, and I don't want to lose our face-off momentum here. So, um, so there really isn't that much. I mean, Dave and Arena did very well. Arena, you know, really took charge, and um, their th- theirs looked much better. And I also got to mention Trish and Amy's, you know. Just crazy cheese pizza. I mean, that, you know, that's if I'm thinking about something that is about on the level I would do in a task like that, that is it. So I'm not being critical. I just thought it was kind of entertaining. If the fact that they were putting pizza on our tortilla hadn't already put me off of pizza for a while, whatever they did with the nine pounds of cheese on that pizza is definitely putting me off of pizza for a while. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the cases where the only one where Lauren Joanne looked over and they were like, yeah, I think I think we're good. (laughs) <laughs> I think we got this one. They would have really rioted if they hadn't gotten picked there because they did not have that much cheese on it, which is probably, I think, with something thinner like a tortilla, you can't really overload that because then what happened is kind of what happened to Trish and Amy, which are just kind of all, you know, really tortilla, not good for that. That just, you know, maybe you can make one very light with a little bit of sauce and a little bit that works. But but unfortunately, I felt like, I don't know if you got that impression, once they lost that, I was like, I'm not getting the feeling they're going to make a rousing return here. I figured that was probably going to be it. There was a possibility that something else could have happened because we do have one more task in between the face off and the pit stop, which I appreciate. It would have felt very cheap if you just went straight from the face off into the finish line. Amazing race U.S., but they could have pulled it out. If somebody had been spectacularly bad at math, which is a possibility, several people doing the task were spectacularly bad at math. I think there's a, there was still a chance at this point. It just happened that nobody screwed up that badly. Yeah, and I agree. I was thinking of it more. I was thinking in terms of kind of the editing and the way it was kind of presented. I know we had the shot near the end. I know we're jumping ahead now, I guess, to the math challenge at the Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics. 
yay, physics. Um, but basically, they had the shot with the two of them on the opposite sides. And I don't feel like that was just editing because you saw some of the teams basically walked up to the, to the equation and laughed and were like, this is the easiest thing I've ever done. People like the Nesh and Arena, <laughs> the two of them just looked at it and were just like, yeah, this is this is nothing. We're going to rock through this. And of course, Anthony and James were great at it. You know, so it was one of those things where it is one you could do really quickly if you know algebra and aren't super stressed, because I think that's another thing. I look at that and I think I can do that quickly, but the stress added to it. And so I like when they do math tasks. I think they can lead to some interesting things. And I think this didn't disappoint. We did have teams really struggling. So overall, I thought this was a good task. Yeah, it reminds me of how they used to have a plug-in for Gmail that um, if you were on your Gmail app after a certain point in the evening, in order to avoid sending emails while intoxicated, they would make you do in- increasingly more difficult math problems before you sent emails. <laughs> I did not have this. Oh, I had it. <laughs> I was not a heavy drinker, but I stayed up late a lot and I eventually had to disable it because I really was getting very tired of having to do the math. Um but it was about that level of difficulty on the math. And I yeah. am not surprised that it tripped some people up because I think we have seen math tasks on this show before that were much more complicated than this. And it just like they made people's heads explode. Yeah. I mean, we've had some where teams have used express passes. We've had some where teams like all banded together to figure it out with the one team that knew how to do it. I mean, there's been usually the math tasks lead to mass chaos. And I think here the real trick seemed to be that allow me to go a little into the equation. I did not solve it at home. I thought about it, though. I was very close to doing it. But but basically, because the formula was under the square root, the thing that, that got everyone getting weird answers like five or six or whatever was that they did they had to square it first. And then when they did that, then the formulas would line up and you could actually do it. That was That seemed to be the main problem for everyone. The, I mean, beyond... Sam not being very good with the stopwatch, which was the other issue, being a little too quick on the stopwatch. Everything else seemed pretty straightforward, but that's something that when you're stressed, even if you know math like Joanne, there's no guarantee you're going to get that right away. Yeah, it's true. I did like that you could also do it wrong and look at your answer and say, huh, no, that's definitely not 9,000 feet that we just (laughs) dropped this off of. So we did something wrong. Here's where the ballpark should be. And now let's go. Let's go do it correctly and get in that ballpark. I liked Trish and Amy figuring out, huh? Well, a guy, a man is six feet tall. And that was definitely not, you know, that was not 20 men. So we did something wrong and we got to figure out exactly how many men it is. Yeah, that was entertaining. I liked Amy's reaction to that. Where she was just like, nope, that's all right. And the opposite end, yeah, we had Sarah who's like, that seemed a little bigger than six feet when they were <laughs> up there afterwards. Like, yeah, that's not right. So I enjoyed that too. But, um, but yeah, this is one where you people that, you know, either no math or just naturally seem to have an ability to figure things out like this. Like I would say I'd be okay at this, but I don't blame anyone for not doing well here because especially when you're down to team five and team six, you saw with Lauren and Joanne where it was almost like they could barely function because they were so nervous about going home when Trish and Amy showed up and they finished probably with some time to spare. 
but it did get a little tense. Yeah, it definitely did. I, I'm never going to be one of those people that's sitting there at home saying, oh, this is fifth grade math, because it's really hard to say how you do with a camera in your face, knowing that your fate on a show lies in the balance and also that all of Canada is watching you. I think that would give anybody performance anxiety. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it'd be hard for me to just like walk down the street knowing all that with the cameras on. I'd be falling down and stuff. I mean, that may be a slight exaggeration, but not really, because I mean, you're thinking in terms of $250,000 and, you know, especially those Chevy cars, but um, it would be really hard. And I guess the interesting thing, too, which I didn't want to miss is that Arthi and Thinesh basically never use their express pass. And it was a case where they got to this task and they rightfully thought there might be something after this. And I, I thought it was smart to just, hey, let's give it a quick shot. I thought last week they were very risky, but this week I'm not, I can't be critical of that at all at the end. Yeah, sure. If they wanted to finish first, they should have just, if they could, they should have just jumped up. I don't know where they would have. They would have had to have done it at the robots because once you got past that and then won the face off. But to me, that's an interesting thing that they didn't do it. I don't feel like it was some grand strategy, but that showed how easy the math was for him. Yeah, I I thought they did a really great job on this. Although I think if I was them, I probably would have just dumped the express pass on the detour as soon as they were having trouble, which suggests to me that maybe they just had an extreme few minutes and they didn't actually do that badly at the robots. Yeah, because I mean, I think about it, though, when they started, I I don't think they would have finished for well, they they probably still would have they might have still been in third because I guess maybe they might have passed Dave and Arena, but it would have been really close. So if they had used it, they might have had a shot again to that first um, that first battle to put on the the clothes in time to get to get first or second. And maybe they could have got through. But there was no good. This was not a leg that was well designed to do that to really like there's some where if there's like like the clams or something where if you just have the express pass and use it. You're going to finish first that week, basically. Yeah. I don't think anything here was screaming out to be have an express pass thrown at it. Which isn't a great thing to say about no. a leg either. That, no, that, that actually is pretty much it's all you really got to say. Yeah, nothing really was that hard. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. But again, we're watching a TV show. And I, like we said, I know the math was tougher for some teams. Um, so, yeah, Dave and Arena win the leg. And they talk about how they're the most well-rounded, greatest team. And Dave actually went into a, if you're curious, for some of the reasons why they are such a great team, Dave listed them on Twitter this week. So you can just find out a lot of the reasons. Um, this interests me. Not because, not that, but the fact that they're saying this and we're seeing and they're doing it is are we overlooking a possible dave and arena win this is what i'm starting to wonder are we thinking they're set up for a fall maybe they're not maybe they're just set up to win or am i just thinking in terms of team dan here i think i think you're just projecting your desires for the fantasy draft onto dave and arena here because they're the only team left that seems to have a prayer of winning from team (laughs) dan Sorry, Lauren and Joanne. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, I would like nothing better than to see Lauren and Joanne come from behind and be the Mickey and Pete of this season. That would be great. It would be wonderful television and I'd be here for it. But yeah, if if somebody on Team Dan is winning the Amazing Race this season, it's going to be Dave and Arena and it's not close. I would say the one thing that is not pointing to that is they have gotten a terrible edit. I think there are ways that 
that the editing could have told a different story if these are the winners that we're going to get. And especially for Canada, it's so important that they would be, they need to be more heroic in order for Canada to really buy a win from David Arena. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. I just had the thought because I look, I, this is kind of why I haven't been considering it. Because I look at how we've seen Anthony and James, how we saw it at the pit stop where we got a Stefan Kristen reference in terms of Arthur and Thinesh. And those two teams, to me, are getting the winner's edits right now. I'm nothing against Sarah and Sam or even I love Lauren and Joanne. But if you're looking at winner's edits, which I know it's those two teams are the teams that to me, especially Anthony and James, mm-hmm. who are seem to really be getting it. And they is. If they won, I'd be thrilled. I'd be like, I love this team. But I just, that if you're looking at, if unless the editors are trying to fool us, which they don't seem to really do on this show, but that would only be the real surprise there. We've seen a team like Arthian's Nesh win. I think there's some Brooke and Scott upside to the two of them. And we've seen teams that are sort of villainous end up winning. Uh, I mean, just look to Jess and Cody, for example. So I think any story is theoretically possible. And I also think that editing has become a little less transparent over time, because if you watch a lot of Amazing Race, you can kind of tell what kind of story is being told. So I think you could make a case for anybody. I just don't think that we would have seen everybody being against Dave and Arena if they were not in the right. And they definitely haven't been in the right in the moments when everybody has been against them. Right. And you could make a case, like if you were an editor, you could probably make a Dave and Arena underdog story out of all of this, even though they've won like three legs now, I think. But that isn't the story we're seeing. So you're really seeing the overdog story, which typically, unless they're, you know, we've seen teams that, um, get that story and then win not that often so so we'll see what happens uh but are we ready for questions now yeah i think we're ready for questions i just want to leave you with one parting thought before we go to questions i don't think that this season is going to be the story of how a team won i think this season ends up being a story of how dave and arena lost interesting in that case anyone could win though that's the interesting thing if that if that's true you could have any of the other four teams win and that actually might you know a team like lauren joanne who are you know we're seeing a lot of them and we're getting to know their story so it's not a case where you have a team that's in the top. Like sometimes we've had a case where there's five teams and one team we know nothing about. And I'm like, that team's probably going out fifth. I don't see that here. I just think the other four teams have also been pretty strong. That's another trick too. But yeah, that, it's going to be an interesting thing to track as we go forward. Yeah. So who's going to be the people to overthrow Dave and Arena? That's, that's what we're tracking here. So yeah. So questions. All right. So let's get into the speed bump. Let's do it. All right. We have worst speed bump ever. From Kimber was this the worst speed bump ever. Then we have Kristen and Mark Carroll both say, ranking it along with the eating ice cream one. So first question, let's let's do um let's do Kristen's better speed bump: eat ice cream or ride in a car. Honestly, it's eat ice cream and it's not close, although self-driving cars are pretty cool and I definitely want to try one at some point. Also, everybody in the world would have forgotten that Turkish ice cream speed bump if you and I didn't keep bringing it up. <laughs> that is it's very true. <laughs> although I still I'm still partial to sit on a block of ice as being possibly the worst one ever or the spa bus. Those two are right there. I mean, really 
That's Babas. The only difference between that and this is they sat in a car, but they had to like, it was kind of hot or the sauna bus, excuse me. So there's <laughs> been a few others that would be up there, but I think, I think this is the worst in Major Race Canada that we've seen. Yeah, I'll go with that. This was really like get in a car and drive yourself to a location and then sit on your butt for 10 minutes. I mean, the thing about it is the only thing that made it okay for me is I really long for the days when self-driving cars are just all over the place, especially in cities. So I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. But a commercial for a Chevy self-driving car does not make a great, amazing race task. Agreed. And you know, we, we need a competitive marketplace of self-driving cars in order for it to truly take off. I will say, though, because of the way this leg was designed, though, for the most part, the speed bump had a huge impact in what happened because there wasn't that much room for. I mean, yes, they had a chance at the math, but really, Trish and Amy were on the first bus. They seemed to do fine when they got to the detour. They found the ball in the ball pit. They didn't seem they didn't seem great at the math. But really, the speed bump put it behind in a leg where you just could not do that. Yeah, it, it's true. I think they had a chance to get ahead by like if they'd done everything perfectly and they'd won the face off, they might have been OK. But even then, I'm not sure they would have been. Yeah, the face off might have made the difference. But again, you're making bring everything down to showing up, doing it something the first time and making a pizza. There's just not a lot of margin for error. So like you said, they had a chance, but it just didn't go well for them. Yeah, I think putting the space off and the speed bump in the same leg really increases the chance that you can survive a speed bump. Because if you get there last, you're still not an hour behind everybody. There's still an equalizer point. Yeah, and I think that I think that's done purposely so because they don't want to have they never want the situation where the team gets the speed bump and has no chance to survive. And luckily, and we've seen examples like that before, but I didn't think that was the case here. I thought they had a chance. It's just that their chance was really down to the face off and either the face off or just being super good at math. And I just repeated what you just said a minute ago. So good job, Dan. I did it. Um, well, I agree with everything you just said, Dan. <laughs> Very smart analysis. Um, so what other questions should we answer? Um, I like this one from John Rumsey talking about the math challenge. He wants to know, do you think production told people to erase their boards this week? Or do you think everyone just had it fresh on their minds? Interesting. Because we did see the moment where Arthie scratched out her board. And um, I don't know. I think I don't think it's I don't think production told them to me. The most obvious thing is because I am sure Trisha and Amy told everyone about it. And also we had a case where teams, you know, the early on teams probably I mean, David Arena would be the team you'd be most concerned about and they were out of there quickly. So it's possible. I don't want to say zero percent, but I'm thinking the most likely scenario here is that if teams erased it and such, they were still thinking about what happened a few weeks ago which for them was only a few days. Yeah, it, it's true. And I think that was such a big conversation they had. I can't imagine you would do anything else for the rest of the race without thinking about that conversation. Yeah, for sure. So a similar question. I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm just curious. What do you think? You know, because they did give the range. This is from Gregory McBean. They did give the range of the math problem as 41 to 49 feet. And Sarah and Sam did pass it with 49.27, which technically is not between those two numbers. And so Gregory's asking, is he crazy that they should have done it again? I think I understand this, but um, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Yeah, I think it must be that 
49.27 rounds down. And I think maybe the task judge is only instructed to look at the whole number, but I could be wrong. Yeah, that was my guess too. I thought that's the only scenario I can think of is that they basically, it just has to be basically 40.5 to 49.49 or something like that. Or you know, I don't know how far it would go, but, um, or 40, yeah, 49.49. So I think that's got to be it because nothing else really makes sense. Yeah. Or maybe if it's 41 to 49 feet, maybe it's just like that first number has got to be a four and then you're golden. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I guess. Or, or at least a four one, I guess, or something. So um, so let me see here. I have one more I want to ask, but I wondered if there's others you think we need to know about. Um, well, we've discussed a lot of these and I want to thank everybody for sending in your great questions because it does really help us frame the way we talk about it, even if we don't directly read your exact question. Yeah. Okay. So then last thing, I feel like we're down to the final five, so we should do it. I'm going to let you give yours. Felipe Shannon, now that we have five teams left, can you power rank power, power rank each team? By winner potential. Oh, Dan, power rankings are arbitrary and reductive. Oh, I know, but people like to hear it. So let's try real quick. Okay, I guess so. Let's look at everybody that's left. And I'll think about this for a second very quickly. I'm going to go with, I think, at number five on my power rankings, I'm going to put Lauren and Joanne. I think they still have a compelling story. I think they could still win it, but they do kind of squeak by it almost every leg like they've never finished higher than fourth and pretty soon fourth is not going to be good enough anymore. Um, so then I think in fourth, I'm going to guess I'm going to go with Arthi and Tanesh in, in the number four spot, just because they are strong racers. They have proven that they can win legs, but they also can come apart pretty fast. And I think there's some volatility there that could be problematic for them. And in the number three spot, I think this is a hard one because I think we've talked about this ad nauseum that the winning teams, the teams that seem to have the most compelling winner story are Anthony and James and Sarah and Sam. And we've highlighted that we do not think that Dave and Arena have any kind of prayer of winning it. So I got to put them at number three in the power rankings, even though I think in terms of sheer power and not necessarily probability of winning the whole thing, they obviously they have the most fantasy points in our league and they are the team to beat. But I think that translates to someone is going to beat the team to beat. So I got to put them at three and then I'm going to put Anthony and James at number two and Sarah and Sam at number one. Interesting, because to me, I was with you. I was ready to say, stamp it. You're right. But I put Anthony and James at number one, just because I feel like I know they've had six plays three times, actually, which kind of surprises me. But I feel like they are that consistent team. You often see winners that are just super consistent. And I also feel like they're getting better as we're going along. But it's really close because Sarah and Sam, I have the physical side of it. And sometimes the show really does ramp up the not in this leg but generally ramps up the physical stuff in the last few legs coming up. So that's good. You know, and I think you're, you're on track here, Jess. Um, it sounds like you've done this before. A couple of times. I definitely done it a couple of times. Um, yeah. And I think it's really a toss up for me between Anthony and James and Sarah and Sam, because Anthony and James have the better story. They're stronger characters. I think they're kind of, they, 
they figured things out a little more quickly, but Sarah and Sam have some pure athleticism behind them. And I feel like we're starting to get to know them on a deeper level in a way that I think I, I keep going back to Mickey and Pete, which is a weird it's it's an outlier in almost every sense of amazing races. But I feel like at this point in their race, we started to really get these little pops of character from them and started to get anecdotes about their lives and more and more Mickey and Pete in ways that didn't make sense with the rest of the narrative that were just kind of sprinkling these hints that it was going to be their story. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of that from Sarah and Sam. Yeah, I agree. And I think I would, I think they've still got a really good chance. So we shall see. I don't know. Next week kind of feels like another non-elimination, but they also could do that at four. So, so we'll see if we lose another team next week. I'm kind of 50, 50 on that. Yeah. I think we've got one more non-elimination in there somewhere, right? Yeah. Cause there's four legs left. So we lose two teams and we have the finals. So you're going to have one. I kind of enjoy maybe seeing some sort of super leg just to test the teams a little bit. We haven't had that yet, but it's, you know, we'll see. We also haven't had a U-turn yet, which I think is kind of crazy, but um, maybe the double one way will rear its ugly head here at some point. Yeah. You know, I have to imagine, and we did get a question where uh, Felipe wanted to know if U-turns are a thing they even do on Amazing Race Canada. And the answer is yes, they do them. Uh, sometimes they cut them out entirely if they have no bearing on anything else that happens in the race. But yeah, it's weird that we haven't seen one yet unless they're just deciding they're going to entirely replace it with the double one way, which I guess is possible. Yeah, regardless, I think we'll see one more of that type. We did not see it in the previews for next week. I would assume it's going to show up. I don't like those at the final four. So I guess we'll see. But um, hoping for better things next week in Quebec. Be hard to be worse. No, that's not true. This was an okay leg. It was like a C plus yeah. leg. I, I've seen F legs and this is not one of them. So yeah, the most frequently asked question we get here at the Amazing Race Canada wrap up is how do I watch the Amazing Race Canada if I myself am not in Canada? And I got to give you props if you're not watching Amazing Race Canada and you're just listening to the dulcet tones of our voices and not actually watching the show. But if that is describing you or if you're just having trouble tracking it down, I'm here to tell you that the easiest thing that you can do apart from just flying to Canada every week is become a patron of Rob has a podcast and RHAP patrons receive any number of awesome perks at various levels of patronage. You can get access to a secret patron only Facebook group where you can connect with other fans, talk about all things reality TV. And a lot of our intrepid patrons are right on top of submitting links as soon as they find them out in the world. And we really appreciate that. So special shout out to those patrons who help us out and you know who you are. Uh, if you like the show, I hope you have subscribed to our podcast. You can find new episodes of this podcast in the Reality TV Rehap Ups feed or in the Rob Has a Podcast Amazing Race feed. We love getting feedback from all of our listeners. There are many ways to let us know that you like the podcast. You can leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps us out helps other people find the podcast. You can leave a comment on the page for this episode on robhaswebsite.com. And we like it when you do that, especially if you've listened to the podcast already, you have positive feedback for us. That's a really good place to leave it. Um, you can also find us on social media. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Haymaker Hattie. And Dan, where are you? I am at the Dan Heaton. And also, if you like hearing the dulcet tones of my voice, I do a podcast on theme parks 
called the Tomorrow Society podcast, where I do a bunch of interviews. My show coming up next week is with a former Imagineer named Tim Delaney, who's done a lot of big projects, including the Tomorrowlands in Paris and Hong Kong and worked at Disney for 34 years. And it was really fun. So you can find that at TomorrowSociety.com. That sounds so interesting. And I can't wait to check those out. Um, I am doing a little bit of writing on the side in addition to my work here at Rob as a podcast. And if you go over to primetimer.com right now, you can find some feature articles that I have written, uh, including one that dropped this week about the 20th anniversary of the first episode of the U.S. version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And I kind of break down what made that show so compelling throughout its almost 20 year run. And surprisingly, there is not a hint of bitterness from me about that. So if you guys are interested in checking that out, I would really love to hear what you think of it. And don't forget to check out everything else that's happening in the Rob Has a Podcast universe. Our coverage of Big Brother is never going to end because Big Brother is never going to end. And we are also covering Bachelor in Paradise, international editions of Survivor, Are You the One, lots and lots of other shows. And that's our show. I'd like to thank Dan Heaton, as always, for joining me on Canada's favorite summertime adventure. Rob Sestronino for giving us a platform. Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. All of the patrons of Rob as a podcast and all of our listeners around the world. Take care, everyone. We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>